So for me, when I come to these challenges in the role at these crisis moments in my life, I try to live without compromise by turning that around and using this negative thing in my life to do something positive with it. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Good morning, folks. Hope you're having a good week. Hope you're doing all right through all of this. Um, you know, crazy times, of course, but we're going to press on and give you some inspirational stories, cool interviews. And uh, here's one from my other show, Without Compromise. Uh, you know, with Thursdays, we typically do a, a revisited episode, but sometimes with my other show, Without Compromise, we might have a good interview. Last week was also an interview from uh, from that show. And so this one's really cool. If you ever watched uh, the the show Survivor, the reality show, uh, you'll know that it's it's pretty intense. It was the very first show that my family really got into. It was pretty early on in reality TV, and I believe the second or third season was Africa, Survivor Africa. And the winner of Survivor Africa was Ethan Zone here that we have on the podcast today, and his story is uh, just so much more than that show. He has survived cancer twice, and he ended up winning Survivor Africa, winning a million dollars. His father passed away from cancer early on in life, and because he was a professional soccer player in Africa uh, right before being on Survivor Africa, um, he got to see the effect of AIDS firsthand. Some of his teammates were sick, and actually one of them died, passed away, as you'll hear. And so when he won Survivor, and there was a lot I just shared, once he won Survivor, he decided to start a nonprofit around educating young at-risk people who were fans of soccer um, about health and taking care of themselves and living healthy lives. And they are a company, not their company, their organization, Grassroots Soccer, has now educated more than 2 million kids around the world through the sport of soccer and soccer camps um, to be healthy and live incredible lives. And so it's a really, he's a really dynamic guy, really just positive, uplifting spirit, and uh, loved having him on. You can learn a lot from him, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, please keep sharing the show. You know, it's growing all the time. We're getting more and more downloads. It's awesome to see. Please keep writing in. I'm sorry if I haven't gotten back to you through email yet. I'm very busy right now, and uh, I can only work on the show on nights and weekends, and I'm just getting a little tired with the, the whole quarantine situation. So um, anyway, enjoy the episode, and you'll be hearing from us on Monday. Yeah, first of all, Ethan, welcome to Without Compromised. We're really happy to have you on. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, and I know, you know, we talked a little bit before that, you know, you're coming from the woods of uh, the Northeast, but yeah. it, that's not necessarily where you, where you grew up, correct? Where, where did life start for you? What was your childhood like? My life started in Massachusetts, a small town called Lexington, Massachusetts, shot heard around the world, Paul Revere, that whole situation happened back in the day. I wasn't around for that. That was a little before my time. I know I'm old, but not that old. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in Lexington, Mass, uh, kind of went to 
you know, high school there, went to college, and uh, after college, started just moving around the world uh, at a pretty fast pace. Playing soccer, correct? Correct, yeah. You know, I never, never really thought soccer was going to be like a career path for me. And I was playing, I played at school, a small division three school. And then after school, I moved to Hawaii because I'm like, all right, there's a lot of water in Hawaii. I got a marine biology minor, like I'm bound to find a job here. Uh Uh-uh, wasn't the case. I ended up like cleaning toilets and making beds at a youth hostel in Waikiki because you got free health insurance after like 60 days working you know, at a, a state run place. So did that. But then there was this like advertisement in a local paper for open tryouts for like a new professional soccer team, the Hawaii tsunami starting in, in Hawaii. And I'm like, yeah, I might as well go try out. It's basically a PR stunt by the team went down there, tried out as a walk on and made it. <laughs> and so I was uh, like, Oh, right. Great. You know, screw uh, marine biology. You know, I did, I had dreams of being a doctor. I'm like, screw med school. Like I'm going to be a professional soccer player for the rest of my life. And that, you know, took you around the world, like you said, and I know it. you ended up playing in Africa for a while. And so what was that experience like? Was that something you were excited about or did it seem, you know, were you nervous about that? What was that like? All of the above, you know, playing here in the United States and like the lower levels, you know, it wasn't necessary. This is pre-major league soccer. And so, you know, the crowds weren't big. You didn't really, the pay wasn't there. You didn't get like this professional soccer feeling that like I was like searching for, you know, as to say I was a pro athlete. So uh, there's an opportunity to travel to Zimbabwe on a trial to play in uh, the Zimbabwe Premier League for a team called the Highlanders Football Club in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, which is the second largest city in Zimbabwe. So my friend was playing there. He's like, listen, man, this is awesome. You know, soccer here is their life. They, you know, live it. They breathe it. They, it's all they can think about. So to come play for a team in an environment where soccer is like the only sport he's like it's just an experience you'll never get here in the united states so i flew over there my mom was like what are you doing you're going to africa like you know totally scared out of my brains but anyway went over there tried out and uh definitely had a wonderful experience i wasn't uh like the you know the saving grace of the indoor uh, of the uh like you know saving their team and, and, and making a huge impact. I was basically the backup goalkeeper for a year. Um, but funny story about my first game that I'd love to share with you guys is so like, here I am, like I'm a white guy, Jewish. I didn't eat meat. I wore glasses. Like I was like an alien coming into Zimbabwe, you know, to, to play for this team. So finally got uh, about 20 minutes during a reserve match. Um, and all the fans are coming in be- to get, to get ready for the, for the, first team game and i'm sitting there in goal i'm doing all right they're cheering for me go makiwas i'm i'm like this is great they love me they're cheering for me so i run over after the game like did you hear this the crowd loves me they're screaming for me they're like you know this is incredible and like i had like my long curly hair and i just looked awesome and so i'm like my teammate was like do you know what they were yelling and what they were cheering for i'm like i don't know team usa or captain america something like that they're like no they were screaming pubic hair, pubic hair, pubic hair. (laughs) So like, all right, well, I guess they like me. I'm part of the community here, but it wasn't by, uh, 
it wasn't the best first impression I guess you could make on a new squad in a foreign country. Oh my god, what a great story! Because you know, <laughs> people haven't seen you had you have like this iconic. You, you did have this dark, dark, curly, thick locks of hair, and so. Um, yeah, that could, that's too funny, which is obviously, you know, for native African is very different than, than right. Um, you know, the they never see that. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. Wow, man. So, you know, so, so I, I know early on, you know, in Africa, you saw things, you know, I know AIDS was going on there and I know that it made an impression on you. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that and, and kind of what you left that experience with? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, traveling to a foreign country to play soccer was a dream come true. But while I was there, you know, I had an experience while um, my team, we'd travel in these like small little vans to get to all our away games. And I just have these images of these graveyards along the way to our away matches. Because some of the headstones in these graveyards are perfectly organized, you know, one right after another, kind of like we see here in the United States. But then other areas of these graveyards, there were these wooden crosses piled high some were overflowing on the street so i always i asked my team he's like why are some people buried like this one after another and other here just like over there and he pointed to where all the crosses were he's like well that's where they bury all the people that die of aids mm. and i was like wow like to see a physical representation of everyone that's dying of this disease was shocking to me you know like people are dying everyone knows why but no one's doing anything about it like including me and then saying i ended up returning home to the united states and i got a letter from one of my teammates about you know, six to eight months later saying this guy, Amon, who was the starting goalkeeper had passed away. He passed away from AIDS. Yeah. And like, so he was, he contracted HIV, kicked off the team, ostracized from the community and lived a horrible end of his life. And this is a guy like I, I trained with every single day for like months. And you read the statistics and statistics numb you to what these real issues are, but they're not just faceless numbers. This was my buddy, you know, it's my teammate. And so that really kicked me hard and it just took the wind out of me. And it was at that moment, I'm like, okay, I want to do something. I just didn't know what I could do. And, um, what can one person do to help this massive problem in all of Africa? And like, it was really the first time I saw how one disease was destroying this community. And I, compassion and I for these people and I wanted to help I just didn't know what I could do and then luckily the television show survivor came along and I can get into that whole trajectory but uh I helped uh you know I helped start this organization called grassroots soccer yeah it's a very roundabout way of making an impact through television show for sure let me ask you this you know as someone yeah. who is because this is interesting to me someone who's seen an immense problem and ha- knows it so closely through people they know passing away from it or you know being affected so so personally but but not having like the right opportunity or the right mix of opportunities come along to make a difference for a while what was your experience or what advice do you have for folks who who see an issue want to make a difference but might not be in that place in life yet i mean cuz obviously you probably thought about this how do i make a difference how do i make a difference but things didn't come together for you for a while. Correct. They didn't. Um, and I didn't do anything. And that was plaguing me. Like there's this famous quote to do nothing is also to act, mm. you know? So act affirmatively by making things happen and not just letting them happen. So I had seen a problem, didn't do anything about it. Reading the stats, didn't do anything about it. Friends die, still doing anything about it. So I was like paralyzed by the fear of like not being able to do something. 
because I just didn't know how or what or didn't feel like I, as one person in this world, could make a difference that could help this massive problem in all of Africa. Um, so I didn't do anything about it to answer your question. But to the to, to the folks that you know are wondering, like my whole thing is like figure out what makes your heart break and then just go do something about it. And like you don't have to win a reality show. You don't have to be you know, Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, Mark Zuckerberg, J-Lo, whoever, all these fancy titles and tons of money to go do something because there's so many things that we can do as a one human to make a valuable contribution. And, you know, it can, you know, drop off balloons at a hospital, donate blood to the Red Cross, skip your lattes this week and, you know, gi- you know, give that, that money, um, you know, to charity, read to some kids at a, a hospital, like call your grandma. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. That's kind of like the advice I would say. If you want to do something, kind of, you just got to do it. And I've learned through this whole experience that like making happiness real for someone else is one of the greatest gifts you can give to someone and it's free, you know, like it's free. You can, you know, it's so easy to change the, the someone's day by doing like a, a kind and thoughtful and compassionate act. Mm. Do you think going back, you would, you would act earlier because I, you know, sometimes it does take just ruminating on the idea in, in, in really waiting, like you see a lot of people that make an enormous difference in life. It's the thing that affected them was years and years and years before, but they ended up making a huge impact years later. Do, do, do you think you personally would start with smaller acts earlier? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was incredibly fortunate to have been on a reality show that had a big platform. So it was easier for myself and the other co-founders to get the word out there about the work we were doing. Um, in hindsight, you know, I'd all, I always have the, 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 I always had the compassion for other people, but I just didn't necessarily have the tools to know what to do with that, you know, with that, that, that feeling of, you know, hurt and, you know, empathy and, and wanting to help someone and fix their life. Like my dad died away, died when I was 14 years old. So at that moment in my life, all I wanted to do was sit in my room and not come out to play or talk to anyone or, you know, hang out with my soccer friends. But I learned very quickly how the community around me really rallied with my family, myself, my two brothers. They're the ones that reinforced like our values in a time when we felt completely alone as a family growing up in Lexington, Massachusetts. So I quickly got an understanding of like the power of like community and how that could really lift the spirits um, of, of of someone who's struggling, you know? And so at an early age, I think I had a good little uh, taste of reality. Yeah, absolutely, man. Holy cow. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I hope I wasn't prying. No. I just think it's very interesting talking to someone who has made a big difference. What what was that process like for them? And, you know, because I think a lot of us do want to do something more important. You know, we get up and we go to work and do all this. And it's like, how do we make a difference if, mm-hmm. if we're not going to have the opportunity of being on a show or, or, or something like that? But I, I don't I don't think that that's required to make a difference. Just it like isn't. we're saying. To back up, we were four soccer dudes that had a good idea. Um, you know, we are bold enough to try to, some new things, but humble enough to know that we are going to need a lot of help along the way. And that's exactly what we did. Um, you know, and so, you know, I can get into how all that happened, but it's not, you know, not that relevant how we created grassroots soccer. But we all had our own individual 
uh, skill set, and we worked together incredibly as a team. And uh, we were, you know, we just were really passionate about, you know, f- creating a solution for something that was impacting ourselves and some of the friends that we were coming in contact with on a daily basis. And I, and I know that, you know, we're talking about all of this, what, what happened after this huge pivotal moment in your life, which was being on the show Survivor, which was a new show at the time. I mean, it had been out a few seasons and, and I actually watched the first five seasons religiously. Thank you. Uh, with my family, you know, as a kid. So I, when I was watching, doing some research on you, I was like, there's that ring <laughs> around that tree in Africa that with the bushes, like I totally <laughs> remember that on my mom's floor in front of her bed watching that as a kid and thinking like, that is the coolest thing. Like, I would love <laughs> to be out there. And and it was a thing in our household to watch Survivor. So, I mean, reality TV in general was kind of up and coming then. And it was, you know, gaining just a huge amount of followers. What what was it like? What, what was that experience like being on the show? And first of all, how did you get to that point? Because that's just a random turn in your road. <laughs> totally, right? And, and like, it's it was after like a... a a giant chain of failures is how I ended up on Survivor. So my playing career was spiraling out of control. I tried out for three teams, got cut from all of them. I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? I ended up getting a, a an advertising job in New York City, and uh, I was kind of coaching on the side. Didn't love it, and like literally the week before I was supposed to start my advertising job in New York City the company had a nationwide hiring freeze. So I basically got fired before I even got hired. And I was like, oh my God, another another knockdown. I'm like, this is embarrassing. Like, I only own sweatpants and cleats and I went out and bought shoes and ties and suits and stuff to go start like this full-time job. I, I was ready. And then they fired me before I got hired and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do today? So my friend and I were just like, board and was like let's make a video for survivor you know so we ran around new york city all day and made a video for survivor i was supposed to send in a video for him and he was supposed to send in a video for me but, but we ran out of time for him and we only sent in my video and uh i got picked and so that that, that wow. was kind of that story how i kind of got on the show and then once i was chosen to be on the show like yeah it was survivor three which was filmed in kenya Africa. So I was brought back to Africa, this time to Kenya, not Zimbabwe. And it was the beginning of reality television. You know, this was 2001. The first episode of Survivor was in 1999. There's no other reality shows on. Everyone thought this show was going to fail after the third season. No one thought reality was going to take off. And then, you know, the other shows like Amazing Race and The Bachelor and American Idol and those started to come along after. But right place, right time. You know, I was uh, very fortunate to be chosen, very fortunate to be on a reality show when it was popular. I mean, we averaged 27 to 30 million people a week watching this show. And um, so that's really exciting. And to be able to go on that show and perform, you know, at your best in front of millions of people uh, with a platform that's new and exciting really uh, was awesome. It was an incredible experience. And I was able to kind of try to use that platform to help others. You know, I really felt there's no no need to be on TV unless you kind of had something to sell, I guess you can say, you know, for lack of a word or sell, not sell, but, but promote because, you know, I was passionate about grassroots soccer and the experience I had on Survivor Africa gave me the money and the platform to help, uh, you know, make it, make it a reality. Did it change your life more than you expected it to? A lot more, a to- a tons. 
it gave me the cushion that I didn't necessarily have to uh, get like a full-time job at that moment in my life. 27 years old, living in New York City, single at the time. Like I was, things were great and I had a chunk of money and I had a passion for using sport to deliver health interventions to kids who needed it. And it was just a perfect combination of everything at the right time. And so I felt kind of awkward because the game of Survivor is very interesting for those who don't know it. But mm-hmm. basically, I was put in a situation where I was like pretending to be an African surviving, you know, but the grand prize was a million dollars. Like I get to go back to my life and I got a grand prize of a million dollars where all these other folks that we interacted with, you know, they're going back to a life of living in, you know, Kenya where things they're not as fortunate as I am. So it just didn't make sense to me. And I just had these, this real life experience in the middle of this cutthroat game of survivor. And that experience was, I was playing, I got one, a reward challenge where I won these two goats, which I wasn't so happy about, but I got to take these goats to this little village of Wamba. And before I left this village of Wamba, I was hanging on the parking lot of Wamba hospital and all these little Kenyan children came out. And they're touching my hair, you know, my white skin. They'd never seen anyone like me before. And that's when I busted out. I had a little mini soccer ball. I had a hacky sack. And we just started playing. And we're smiling and we're laughing and we're communicating through this sport that we both love, you know, but we weren't speaking the same language. So at that moment, in the middle of this cutthroat game of Survivor, like I realized that this is a really magical way to, to connect humans you know, soccer is the world's most popular sport. You put a soccer ball down anywhere in the world, and you have 25 friends. It breaks down cultural stereotypes. It brings people together, and it's a way to, you know, uh, build community. So now you add some health interventions on top of that. It's great. And the people who are doing the educating are professional soccer players, professional coaches. They're the heroes, the role models, the gods of the community. And so we had just had a really neat concept and no one was doing it at the time. And uh, since Survivor Africa, uh, we are now in uh, 50 countries and we graduated 2.3 million kids from the program. That number gets bigger every time I hear it. You know, yeah. it was like 1.9, 2.1, 2.2, and now 2.3 million. Is That's just, that's wild, man. Totally wild. Totally wild. And I can't take credit for all that. Like, you know, the the founder of the organization, Tommy Clark, and Kirk Friedrich, Matembe, and Lovu, all of us came together and really tried to grow this organization. Wow. Well, if, if you don't mind, you mentioned a few things uh, with Survivor. You know, a lot of your, you know, I don't know how you know, feel about this, but I've I heard you reference a lot as the nicest winner ever on Survivor. <laughs> and do you think, I mean, is that an act for you? And also on top of that, you know, wh- wh- what do you think is, there is to be said about winning a cutthroat game, like you just said, of Survivor by being a truly genuine and nice person? And also, kind of the game of life, you know, New York City is a cutthroat area, you know, and you, you got to survive in this world. H- how do you do it as, as a nice person, as someone that, that, that truly is compassionate and caring like yourself? It was, um, it's all the editing. I'm really an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Which some people may say, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Survivor at its core, it's about people. It's a game of relationships. It's how you interact with other people and how you work with other people that determine how well and how far you're going to go in this game. And I think it parallels incredibly well to life. You know, life is a game of relationships. Work is a game of relationships. School is a game of relationships. Stuff that you need to survive every single day. So 
I, my strategy was to align with people that had a skill set that I did not have. You know, I'm not the A-type personality, the guy who likes to stand up and bark order. So I needed to find someone that could take that role. I'm not necessarily like, you know, like to be, you know, funny in the center of attention and boisterous. There's this other guy named Big Tom who, who definitely liked to be in that position. You know, so for me, I kind of played the role of the assistant coach out there where, you know, I kind of had a pretty good self-awareness. I knew what I brought to the table. I knew how I needed to interact with these other people that could help me get far in the game. And like Survivor is a game where you have to make friends with these people, but friendship's based on trust and you can't trust anyone because the end result is you want to be the last man standing. And then not only do you have to vote these people off, you have to vote them off in such a way where they like you enough or respect you enough that when they come back, they want to give you $1 million. So it's a really you know tricky politicky type situation out there and um that was kind of my 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 role is making real loyal trusting relationships um and i try to make myself a central part of the community out there like during my entire time i didn't get one vote against me and that's because i made myself a crucial member of the community crucial to everyone else's survival so without me they would have struggled first one up in the morning last to go to bed helped in all the chores supported my teammates after a loss you know congratulated them after a win uh spent significant time with each and every person learning about them their story where they come from how they act what their kids are all that stuff i was helpful in the challenges i was selfless in a very selfish game like altering my strategy willing to take a loss to help the other people in my alliance like losing on purpose is hard for me but i did it because i know that would build loyalty build trust and help me and my alliance get further in the game so small little acts like that um, really kind of established this l friendship, loyalty, alliance that was kind of masked by my, you know, true intentions, which was to, you know, get to the end of the game together. But I knew I needed people to help me get there. And I was okay with that. Like I couldn't do it all by myself. And so that's kind of how I played the game. I had every intention to go out there and be an evil, backstabbing, cheating, lying, stealing person. But when I got out there, it just it just wasn't who I am. Like once you take away food and you take away water and you're tired and you're hungry and you're thirsty, your true colors come into focus. And all that was left was like me, you know, like, and that yeah. just wasn't who I was at my core. And I really did not want to try to change who I was as a person to win a million dollars. That just wasn't a line I was willing to cross. Yeah. At some point it would come out. I mean, everything is going to be on camera. Everything is going to be filmed or recorded so you know who yeah. you are does come out in those situations and you know i i just love seeing someone who's genuine win and it, not on, just in a show but in life you know i love when seeing when folks are are really good people and want what's best for the community and do support folks in their loss and, and celebrate in their wins and i feel like it doesn't get a lot of the attention it always deserves so and i hope you do carry those principles in, in life as well and it seems like you do yeah i mean it is the way i live my life you know survivor's a game where you can get away with probably pushing the boundaries of moral decisions because you are playing within the construct of a game show. So like you can always rationalize yourself saying, Oh, well I'm not like that in real life, right. but on the right. game, of course. Yeah. I do what I can to win. 
Um, I just, that just wasn't the way I played the game. It wasn't something I was willing to do. Um, but that is how I play my life. You know, I, I firmly believe that it's, you know, there's a lot of people who speak about it, but I, and I don't really know the, the real quote, but it's something like, it's not about like the facts and what you say to people. It's how you make them feel. That's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember the way you make them feel, not like the actual content of what you say. And so I truly believe that. Like if you get into a room and you're talking to people and you just have a really fun, nice, I mean, our first conversation with you, like we clicked, it was great. You know, like I feel comfortable talking mm -hmm. to you. It's about having a nice, vulnerable, open relationship. And that's kind of how you get really to, to meet, to know people and meet people. And uh, yeah, I guess that's the way I live my life. That's awesome. Sweet. Well, rapid fire number one is what are you most curious about right now outside of, you know, the obvious survivor in, in your soccer um, nonprofit? I am most curious to see how the CBD and cannabis industry shakes out over the next three to five years. Interesting. All right. I'm out in Colorado, so it's definitely a, a, a big hold on folks here, on society. So yeah, it's interesting. Right. I know it's a brand new industry. There's lots of different angles to get in it or to be involved with it and how it's impacting and affecting the health and wellness of people here in the United States and around the world. And I'm just curious to see what it looks like in five, 10 years. It's going to be fascinating. Absolutely. So for the second question, what is your proudest achievement outside of Survivor and outside of grassroots soccer? My proudest achievement would be making the choice to take my struggles with cancer and mental health public because I didn't really know what would happen when I opened up my life to strangers all over again, but I chose to document my story publicly about cancer. And since I've been public, 22 people have reached out to me, said, because I saw you or this X, Y, and Z or interview, I went to the doctors because I had those same symptoms and I got diagnosed with lymphoma as well. And I feel like getting playing some role in helping others getting diagnosed earlier or helping them manage their cancer care has made it worthwhile to talk about my journey and it's probably my proudest accomplishment wow and i know that's something we didn't get to talk about and i apologize you know your two battles with cancer sure. those could honestly be episodes in themselves but obviously that's a huge part of your life and story and um and a lot of folks going through something similar so i appreciate you being open about that yeah you're welcome um what's a part of your health routine that you do daily that that you don't compromise on i work out pretty much every day. And that's not like major, you know, it doesn't have to be a hundred miles or tons of weight or whatever. Um, it could be something as simple, you know, as taking a walk, uh, riding the bike, hiking, you know, anything along those lines, yoga. Um, so exercise is key in my life and I do that every day. That's awesome. So how do you overall live without compromise? I live without compromise. Uh, I think, I don't know, living without compromise to me means like, to and, I, and I'm going to use a quote of when is this, but like to never let a crisis go to waste because it's an opportunity to do some really important things. So for me, when I come to these challenges in the role of these crisis moments in my life, I try to live without compromise by turning that around and using this negative thing in my life to do something positive with it. And it served me really well from my dad dying uh, to seeing my friends die of AIDS to having cancer. 
um, all of these horrible moments in my life, I reacted with uh, taking that moment and doing something good with it in the world. And I really feel that focusing on the plight of other being, other human beings help you heal as a human. And so living without compromise, I guess, is focusing on the plight of other people and never letting a crisis go to waste. Mm, that is awesome. Now, you know, lastly, is there anything you'd like to plug? Is there anywhere folks would like to, you know, you can follow you or, uh, what, you know, what you got going on next, feel free to plug all that. You know, there's a lot of ways to get in touch with me, but, mm. uh, you know, my personal website is ethanzon.com. You know, my social media is pretty active right now because of survivor. So it's kind of fun to look at that, but you know, just, uh, if you want to, uh, kind of live by uh, helping others that's the the greatest gift in the world for me if i was able to or if the details of my life could help you then that's that's just a wonderful thing for me to know and for me to be able to do in this world first of all thank you so much for listening it means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show if you'd like to help us further you can leave a review on itunes share us with your friends your family it goes a long way to grow in the show you can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast link is in the show notes and also if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure so if you know someone please reach out email us at info at adventure sports and until then get out there and have some fun